0: And mingo lived a girl called Doja Jingo. From the fields and from the marshes came the young and old bajigashes. They all spoke with a different lingo, but they all loved Doba Jingo. And every night they sang in the pale moonlight. Oh by Gash by gum bajeev. Oh Doja Jingo, once you hear our love. We will build for you a hut. You will be our favorite nut. We'll have a lot of little bow by gollies and we'll put them in the follies. By Jingo said, by gosh, by g. By Jiminy, please don't bother me. So they all went away singing, oh, by g, by gosh, by gum, by g, by Jingo. By g. you're the only girl for me. o By G, by gosh, by gum, by jove. Oh, by jingo, won't you hear our love? We will build for you a hut. You will be our favorite nut. We'll have a lot of little, old by gollies, and we'll put them in the follies. By jingo said, by gosh, by G. By jiminy, please don't bother me. So they all went away singing, oh, by G, by gosh, by gum, by jove, by jingo. By G, you're the only girl for me.
1: This is Inksteads on CITR one hundred one point nine FM. I'm talking to Craig Yo from Yo Books, the imprint of IDW. I guess is that a, a good way of putting it?
2: Yes, Yo Books is a, an imprint of IDW. There we go. That's exactly right. they are parent company, and God knows I need a, a, a parent,
1: someone to hold your hand.
2: Yes, and, and uh, yes, and give me discipline. I like that discipline. <laughs>
1: Well, you did do the Schuster book, which was all about discipline.
2: Yeah, you, oh, you mean the secret identity, the fetish art of Superman's co-creator, Joe Schuster. I like to exactly. give the entire name so people get the concept.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could remember the entire name, but you've... Uh, oh, I
2: memorized it, I.
1: You probably mentioned it one million times, but that's
2: okay. Uh, it did get uh, quite a little bit of publicity. I actually think it was the most sized book in the history of our medium. I'm not bragging, I'm just counting the reviews and it's uh, partly that's because of the internet so that everybody and their brother now have a blog to review things.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: But it was on uh, everything from NPR to Fox News and uh, the New York Times to to, uh, Hustler Magazine and everything in between. Got a lot of attention.
1: (laughs) What did Fox News have to say about it?
2: What did who, please?
1: Fox have to say about it.
2: Oh uh, well, he
3: was.
2: Uh, I was interviewed about it on a, a program called uh, uh, a, a Red Eye, which is really quite a a, a a wonderful show. I mean, it's very atypical of the rest of the Fox shows. It's, it's a it's a late night uh, humor talk show, and uh, uh, the the guy who heads it up is really in cool, and, and his cohorts, which which are a mixture of. Conservatives, libertarians, and radicals uh, is quite entertaining. So they enjoyed the book and had good questions, and it was it was fun. You
1: know, sounds like they need to have Pete Bag on their show.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> in I guess that vein of sorts of someone's unique political interests. One of your most recent books is the uh, the Art of Ditko. Oh, right. Um, is that a good segue? Did that
3: work?
2: That, that segue worked, sure. Okay. I mean, Ditko is certainly has his uh, strong viewpoints that uh, somewhat political in nature.
1: What was the uh, decision behind doing this book? And I kind of, I feel weird calling it the art of, because it's not specifically an art book.
2: I guess it depends on your nef- definition. I mean, uh, it's it's a book of his art, and his name is Ditko, so I I, I have no trouble calling it an art book, and it, it actually reproduces a lot of his original artwork. and In, in addition to his most artistic stories, I, I feel his most innovative, groundbreaking medium stretching uh, story, So I think it's very really shows his uh, artistic. His most artistic, creative side. So I, I think the title is is, is good because okay. of that. And uh, you know, I mean, we we all love his Spider-Man and 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 also the fantasy stories he did for uh, Marvel. But I think I, I'm I'm someone that really likes I- innovation and things that break the mold. And uh, I think he's in a very small list of people like Jim Stransko, Alex Toth. Mm-hmm. bernard krikstein and steve ditko who really did these uh wild crazy uh layoffs that, that gave new ways to tell comic stories and uh that's been these and these stories appeared in, his, in in the work he did for charlton he didn't do such uh innovative kinds of things for marvel uh in that sense and uh for some reason I He found a place Maybe I, I don't know If it was the The mood Or the tone At Marvel Where he had More traditional Kinds of Storytelling uh, But at Charlton Where he had Very little Editorial input And and uh, Mostly because They were paying him So so lousy uh, Ditko uh, You know Felt the freedom To like really You know Do really Wild and crazy And wonderful uh, Approaches to comics Storytelling So I uh, these very artsy—I uh, uh, keep using the word innovative, but that's what I feel that word best describes them. Stories, um, you know, I've—I've I've always wanted to collect in, in, in one one volumes. So I collected the best of those, and that was the impetus. That was the motivation to pull all these together. That to people would look at Ditko in a new way, not just think of him as Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, but you know, is, is is one of is one of the greats as far as. Uh, uh, breaking new ground in, in the medium.
1: So it's the Charlton era specific that you feel is the 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 the, the stellar breakout period.
2: Yes, I mean obviously, again, I love Doctor Strange and Spider Man, but th- this stuff uh, was very avant garde, way ahead of its time. He's really bending uh, the form and, and tell, telling the stories. In in new ways that it had not been seen before, brilliant, brilliant stuff.
1: Now you've had genius. I mean, it, it is
2: totally it's genius. I mean, you know that word gets thrown around too much, but uh, Ditko was a genius, and mm-hmm. this this was him at his most most creative. This work in Charlton, and not all of the. Charlton,
1: have had personal contact with uh, Mr. Ditko in the past. Mm-hmm. Did he have any anything to do with this book?
2: I called him when I uh, for, decided to do the book and I asked him if he wanted to ha- have input and uh, be involved, and uh, he declined. I said, well, you know, I thought you might want to tell me, uh, uh, you know, what stories you'd like me to include or give me some background, and give me advice uh, on which stories you felt were best that could be included in the art of Ditko? And he said, he said to me, Robin. He said, if you wanted advice, and he was kind of there was a kind of a chuckle in his in his uh, comment.
3: He said, if you wanted
2: a, a, advice, maybe you should go see a priest, Craig. <laughs> 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 so no priests were uh, used in the making of this book, or or or, or, or Mr. Ditko himself had free reign to to do what I wanted.
1: So you would you could say though he approved of the book?
2: Did he approve of the book? The, I wouldn't say existed. that. I mean he had no involvement. Okay.
1: Just kinda trying to gauge the the Ditkoesqueness to it, I guess. And for those that don't really know, Ditko is pretty um, reclusive
2: well i wouldn't describe him that i mean uh, as, as as i related in the book i've when i worked with creative director at the muppets i had him come over and meet people at the muppets and had lunch with him and then he invited me to his studio and uh and uh, i went there and we've had lunch together and uh i've worked on pro- other i've worked on projects with him i commissioned him to do comics for projects i was doing so uh I would find him totally reclusive he's highly opinionated and uh he doesn't like going to large affairs like conventions and and such but he he has contact with people and has people i think he would he would call friends and uh mm-hmm. uh he has family he visits so i i i i, I don't know why people think he's reclusive except that they would like him to show up and be a guest of honor at their convention and he has no interest in doing
1: that. Well it's it's funny I was at a convention a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to friends there that are artists and I've just it's a lot of folks really don't enjoy the uh, convention process in a lot of ways because it's just yeah you're put on display like a monkey almost and expected to <laughs> perform and it's exhausting Mhm. and it's not a great way to interact with folks
2: it has its limitations but uh I, I like conventions too yeah I'm, I'm already looking forward to the San Diego Comic Con.
1: Milo Manera's gonna be there
2: uh, that's awesome right
1: yeah I'm I'm jealous I wish I could go down and meet him I'm a massive well, I'm to the fan. I
2: don't know if I'll get to meet him I'm sure the lines will be long
1: yeah he's worth beautiful it,
2: women <laughs> lined up Yep. Hoping that he'll ask them the model.
1: And he I'm sure just... A, I'm
2: sure ugly fanboys like me will be asked to speak or step to the rear of the line.
1: <laughs> Which you will do with grace and dignity.
2: So, I mean, he's another guy who I have worked with. I've commissioned him to do artwork for uh, books that I've done. Monero? Uh, yeah, so I found you know, Monero, an affable fellow. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, back to the Ditko book uh, One story I really enjoyed out of it Was the last one in the whole book The yes. ghost artist um, Any partic- Do you know any particular background With that story? or?
2: I, I, I learned later that uh, My pal Bob Stewart Wrote that story uh, so I, I found that uh, uh, Pretty interesting I He possibly co-wrote I, 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 I'm sorry Bob, if you're listening out there, I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but I know he's a talented guy, and I think he had a big involvement in the story, and, uh, you know, I mean, I think certainly, uh, I don't know if it speaks to specific people in the comics industry, but certainly there have been uh, assistants and ghosts uh, who haven't gotten their due, and uh, I think this this uh, strip uh, kind of speaks to that, and it's... Uh, it's interesting how many of the stories in the book do have uh, cartoonists as protagonists of one sort or another. Uh, it's always interesting to, to read those and think about you know, how they might relate to some experience Ditko had or, or whether it was just the writer who concocted the story. But mm-hmm. Most of the stories weren't written by Ditko, though I think some of them were. Uh, and it's interesting to, to think about how how the cartoonists in some of these stories maybe uh ref- reflect uh Ditko himself.
1: I found the choice of name odd in that one, Jimmy Elder. Yeah. Specifically because I mean it's the same time that Will Elder was quite active as well. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I sure it wasn't he, on purpose, it was like I don't, I
3: don't think it had anything
2: to do with Bill Elder, but, Oh well, no, it's it
1: nineteen seventy three. Never mind, that's well after Elder's prime period. But
2: You're thinking of the elder elder, or yeah. the younger elder,
1: Will Will Elder. Um, were there any uh, specific thematic choices in the stories you've included, other than just creativity, like any particular yeah, issues? Just a
2: range. Uh, I mean, at Charlton, he also did cowboy stories and r- romance stories, just a, just a few. But I didn't find those as uh, those particular genres, he didn't seem to bring these this kind of innovative panel layouts and uh, you know m- gaining new ground in in, in storytelling. That he, that he did with these some of these more fantasy or science fiction kind of tales that that maybe lent themselves more to experimentation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There was one particular story I was really fascinated by the panel layout because it was like everything was split in half almost Yeah, there's a, he does a lot of that oh. where he like breaks the panel or breaks the page in half mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. utilizes the middle was that pretty uncommon in that era
2: oh I think so yes like I said I think he broke a lot of new ground with some of these devices he used to to move the story ahead and to slow people down and speed people up at, at different times
1: do you have any particular favorites in the book that stand out to you?
2: Y- you know, uh, I, I, li- I like them all. I, I think the uh, the story who's there is like, I mean, some of these, these stories are supposed to be scary, and I find some of the artwork and the way they are laid out and some of the character designs, I, I find them tr- truly disturbing. They are scary. <laughs> uh, I find that story very scary. Conversely, that I, I think uh, just before it, I printed. Yes, I did. Just a story called "Imagination," which is just—it's kind of a, a in a sense low key. Not low key, meaning in any way boring. It's it's in, it's a very intriguing, engaging story, but it's a very almost gentle story about this y- y- young boy and and the uh, the angles that he presents that in. I mean, the opening panel is just is just a a rear shot of the character which isn't a usual way to make an establishing shot to you know to establish who the story's about you know just to show what the character from behind is pretty innovative. but uh the first two panels are kind of from behind and then all of a sudden we see his face and it's a it's a very uh it's a very simple tale but it, it's uh I, lo- I love the writing and and the viewpoints and the literal bird's eye view, because it's a story about a a boy and some birds, which is, you know, isn't this monster story, or outlandish science fiction story, or, uh, you know, alien fantasy story, it's just a simple tale, but it's, it's very compelling, and, and, and kind of sweet, and, 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 uh, and soul-searching, and, uh... Uh, poignant all, all at once. I, I love that story, and I put it, ne- it near the beginning of the book, being called "Imagination," uh, because I, I again, uh, and that 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 follows a, a piece of original artwork mm-hmm. reproduced full size and full color of, of from the very first Spider-Man tale, and and I think "Imagination" uh, it does the, the word sets the tone for the the whole rest of the book. I mean, here's a. A genius, and in, in we're really seeing at, him at the top of his imaginative powers.
1: Another story um, that looks re- really odd, really interesting um, as far as the layout goes is the heart, or ha- yeah, the heart of Jeremy Myth. Oh
2: yeah, 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 yeah. With the
1: the folder cards.
2: Yeah, I know that's amazing, right?
1: And it's like. I mean, it kind of breaks down of where that's coming from at the end, but it's really, like, fascinating use of, um, because the whole paneling and how he's presenting, like, it seems like I could see Chris Ware doing now, almost.
2: Yeah, 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 again, Ditko's way ahead of the time. It, you know, it's interesting that when you said that, I just thought, like, you know, Eisner, who I, I, I'm sure Ditko admired, and we all do, do, do. I mean, he, he's, 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 as good as it gets but he would have used a file folder maybe as the opening panel
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know just to grab people's attention kind of a file folder with a spirit uh name written on it or something like that you know and it would have been compelling it would have been interesting here the file folder almost becomes a a character in the uh in the story you know in the way it's it's used throughout the whole story laying it out and showing the craziness that's going on all these file folder motifs and artwork it's just uh it's mind blowing
1: is this uh the, the Ditko collection is something you you're going to revisit at all with more Ditko work or what do
2: you think yeah i'm, I'm th- there there's still more great stories that I'd like to uh comp- compile so uh If if this book
1: does good, I'll certainly probably compile another one. I guess another book I'm really fascinated by is the uh, Milk Roast book and what the decision behind doing that was and kind of how it's been finding the work. How it's been what? Finding the work in it.
2: Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I've loved Milk Roast ever since I... Was exposed to his work as a wee lad, and and uh, he's he's a he's a for, forgotten genius because at one point Mil Gross was uh, a household word across America, and he was uh, a star in comic strips, which were you know a vital medium and art form, and in everybody's home, and eagerly read it when he when he was active, and then he went on to Hollywood and worked with Charlie Chaplin and. And, uh, and and then he did work at uh, on animated cartoons at the beginning of his career, with, in the very beginning days of animation. And he went on later in his career, uh, kind of booking in his career. He, he, he did uh, work with uh, MGM, and then uh, as I uncovered in the book the animation historians haven't known about, it. he he actually worked on Disney, with Disney on on uh, on on. Toad movie, and uh, you know, so he was like a superstar, you know, he was a public uh, a in-demand public speaker, he had a fine arts career, and uh, you know, he was just and, and he he wrote one of the very, f- and drew one of the very first important graphic novels mm-hmm. in the 30s, and
1: uh, We actually had so some of the original art here for an art show in Vancouver a couple of years ago from that
2: from He Done Her Wrong? Yeah. No kidding.
1: Yeah, it was uh, curated by Seth and Spiegelman.
2: Oh, that's terrific. You mm-hmm. got to see the show?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to do the little private tour and yada, yada. It was fun.
2: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so he was a superstar in, in popular culture and known by, you know, People across America, and now he's pretty much forgotten. And so I've been kind of on a stick to bring him back. I mean, the first issue of of my ARF series, uh, I, I had had Milk Gross in there, a, a, a wonderful uh, illustrated text story he did. And then uh, the last issue of ARF, I, I, I had him on the cover and teamed him up with Robert Crumb and, and Art Spiegelman and Patrick McDonald and Al Jaffe and Matt Groening and, and a bunch of other artists. there. He had created a strip called Draw Your Own Conclusions where he drew the first three panels and in the 1920s and early 30s pe- he would, as a contest uh, a magazine would have uh, their readers complete the last panel Amateur Cartoonist so, uh, and win a $25 Depression-era prize or something. but So I had contemporary artists, uh, cartoonists do their uh, finish the Milk Rose strip. So I've, I've been on this jag to, to present uh, uh, Milk Rose to, to the world, bring him back. And, uh, you know, for I've been uh, working on this particular book, uh, The Complete Milk Rose, comic books and life story, I, I've been working on it probably for probably 20 years and dreaming about it and wanting to do it and gathering material and original artwork and uh, did a lot of research on this book. It took me to university libraries and uh, I visited uh, Milkrosa's uh, son and other descendants and uh, uh, out in the Midwest and a uh, lot, lot, lot of research uh, all over and you'll see in all my books in the one of the beginning pages a lot of people helped me in doing these books but there was like a long laundry list of good friends and Mm -hmm. fellow historians and uh, museums and researchers that that helped me put together this one so it was a a real wonderful team effort.
1: Now he as far as for folks that kind of gather the legacy he was really influential on uh, Kurtzman which kind of in turn was
2: Really? Yeah, I'm sure uh, Kurtzman r- really loved him, and uh, he reprinted some of his work in Help, and uh, you can you can see it in, in Kurtzman's uh, wild from especially his own personal work. Hey, Look it's really uh, and, uh, reminiscent. Yeah, and the Hey, Look stories. I think there was a big, heavy, milk Gross uh, influence, and uh, obviously Kurtzman's friend, Al Jaffe, loved Gross. He, uh, you know, I got him to do a fold in... in in fold introduction because he's famous for doing his mad fold-in so I got him to do a fold-in uh, type introduction uh, for the book and he, he, he like Kurtzman, was a big fan of, of Milk Gross. So I think people in the know uh, uh, have harbored this, this love for Milk Gross for a long time and it's amazing how contemporary his work is. It's so fresh and the style is not like looking at some kind of ant- antiquated Quaint style. I mean, his style is as fresh as uh, tomorrow. You know what I mean?
1: It really pops.
2: Yeah, it's pop. It really moves, and it's wild and crazy and nutty and and uh, you know, just just r- 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 really uh, full of life.
3: It's very zany.
2: zany. Zany. Yeah. Al Jaffe calls him zany, and that. <laughs> He's the definition of the word zany.
1: Now, the book collects, you say, all his strips, but doesn't have He Done It Wrong, right?
2: No, it's the complete Milgros comic books Okay. and life stories. So it's every comic book he did in the more traditional comic book format. You know, He Done It Wrong was a hardback graphic novel, mm-hmm. and I did write an introduction for a reprint of that uh, that came out a couple years ago.
1: The uh, well.
2: But this reprints all his comic book stories. Milk Gross's own son didn't know he did comic book stories, and Al Jaffe didn't know. And many people d- don't realize that he, uh, uh, near the end of his life, he did comic book stories. When, uh, when I feel like he actually had accumulated all those influences of animation, comic strips, graphic novels, and I think he put his best work into these comic book stories because they're just so wild and crazy. And, uh, but he did them for, like, a, 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 a really a relatively small company called American Comics Group, most of the stories. And then, then an even smaller group that was uh, a, a smaller company that just put out a few titles, uh, one called Picture News, and, and grossed his stories for that. So he did these, these work for these small companies, and many times they were just, the, his strips were uh, uh, backup features in their uh, funny animal comic books,
1: around I mean, what year uh, was this, or
2: their humor comic books? Oh.
3: Oh.
2: And so uh, people don't know about these stories, so it took a long time to gather all the stories and, and, and myself get the complete you know, Gross comic book.
1: <laughs> um, around what years would you say this was, like the the comic work?
2: He's in the late forties, most of them. Okay, and uh, and then he ha- this company though brought out two issues of. A comic book called Milk Gross Funnies, and this is the only time that I know of that that a comic book was actually titled after the cartoonist. I mean, the one exception someone could maybe try to make is Walt Disney's comics and stories, but Walt Disney, as we well know, never drew anything for those comic books. No. He just put his brand name on them. Yeah, and then people like Carl Barks uh, drew the stories, but milk from cover to cover drew two issues of a comic book called milk comics and stories or milkrose funnies rather mm-hmm. and uh... they're brilliant and uh, unfortunately they only lasted two issues uh... but i did in the course of my research uh, find and, and get from my collection uh, the original artwork for the third ish, cover of the third issue of milk Funnies funny so i was very proud to present that in the book, this unknown cover. I mean, the comic books are already, already unknown, but from the Cognizant mean, that uh, didn't know about them, the uh, the, the collectors and hardcore uh, fans of Mill Gross and know about Mil Gross Funnies. They never knew there was a third issue, nor did I until I ran across this cover, though I suspected that some of the short stories that appeared later in, in different comic books w- must have been originally drawn for maybe a third issue that was never printed, so it was exciting to actually discover the the cover to Milk Rose Funnies, number three.
1: Where where did you find that? Was that, like, in his family's estate, or...?
2: Well, it, it's been in a private collection for... Uh, buried in a private collection for a long time, uh-huh. and uh, you know, the, the collector who uh, decided to part, of, part with it, I was... He, he knew of my love for Milk Rose, and so I was the first first person he called and uh... I had to,
1: you came a running
2: well i had to come a running and you know uh... mortgage my home and <laughs> sell my car and uh... my wife left me and well it was none of it was none of that bad my wife was actually thrilled to find that she's a big milk rose fan, fan too so she was thrilled that we could add this to, to our collection and, and be able to put it in the book which we were working on
1: Excellent. It's always fun to find a gem.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Do you have uh, any plans for follow-up to the Milk Gross book?
2: I have a number of books in mind on, on Milk Gross. Uh, and again, we take this one day at a time. We'll see mm-hmm. how this goes, but it's getting rave reviews. And uh,
1: and I do know it, that uh, New Garden's working on a Milk Gross biography. I heard that. So that should be very interesting if uh, anyone's followed the... The milk gross tradition, I think Mark Newgarden is one of those who has a unique view.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I love his stuff. Um. Now your fanographicis collection, the Great Anti-War cartoons. I keep I kept making the mistake saying, "Oh, your book of war comics." It's the anti-war cartoons yes, specifically.
2: Yeah, War, we're against it. Mm-hmm. And the book collects the uh, the. Best anti-war cartoons of uh, you know over a hundred years, and uh, starting well even a couple centuries before World War One, we have some choice cartoons, engravings, and uh, very strong stuff. And then uh, there was a lot of great uh, anti-war cartoons during World War Mm -hmm. One, from uh, you know both sides of the uh, of, of. you know of the issue too, and uh, I, one thing I like about this book is it collects uh, cartoons from Germany and Russia and France and the United States. And
1: Russia had you a know. really strong tradition in the early part of the century, didn't they? As far as like cartooning going.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's great, especially the world. I think I mean, there's great. Vietnam, Anti-war cartoons during the Vietnam Wars, and some during World War II, especially before the United States entered the war, mm-hmm. and then, uh, but World War One seems to be a real sweet spot, if you want to call it that, for for strike, you know, strong anti-war cartoons by by brilliant a illu- lot of not only cartoonists but a lot of poster artists and illustrators and sculptors took up pen and ink to to to, to uh, you know. To uh, compose anti-war statements in cartoon form, and some of that artwork is just like really amazing and so strong. I'm very very proud of this book, and and again, a lot of the the, the, the work that we un- uncovered, uh, my fellow researchers and I, for this book, because a lot of this work hadn't been reprinted for for a hundred years, and some of the brilliant artists. Uh, of uh, these early days ha- have been totally forgotten and
3: so mm-hmm.
2: you know not, not only does it work as a as a as a uh, protest against war this book but um uh, it's a showcase for a, a lot of brilliant uh strong uh cartooning you know like the likes of, you know when we think of political cartoons we think of little cartoons with labels and today a lot of them are just kind of gag almost gag cartoons you know and poking gentle fun at, at the and, you know or trying to make buffoons of politicians but these are really strong anti you know gut level anti-war cartoons that that, that, that you'll, if you read the bios in the back of the book of of the all the, I think we have like uh, about a hundred cartoonists represented. If you read their bios, many of them were persecuted for these mm-hmm. anti-war cartoons, jailed, shot, uh, run out of their country. You know, they it wasn't they weren't just didn't have some comfortable desk job doing this at a. Daily newspaper or something I mean, I mean, I admire political cartoonists Of today, of today and, and, the, and their fight Even to keep their job they have today But <laughs> I think we can all learn a lesson To uh, these early cartoonists Who, who you know, had these Incredibly strong statements And and really, uh, you know Let, let that things fall where they may They And even mm-hmm. their, their personal safety By making some of these statements You know, I, a lot of cartoons Tuning and cartoonists to admire in this book.
1: The one that I, I'm just flipping through and just really kind of so stark and heartbreaking is the uh, the sea mine uh, by a Danish or a Dutch uh, illustrator Louis uh, Raymakers, Remakers. Oh yes,
2: which yeah, is well, Remaker. He was another one really persecuted the Nazis, so uh, you know had had an, uh, a reward you know for his for his head uh yeah he he had the very strong uh, anti-war statements just gripping mm-hmm. very 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 uh, strong
1: and brilliant yeah and the the really interesting thing about the the piece um is that they're it's very subdued as well as being strong in itself like it's not you know it's not a someone holding a sign saying something it's just this image of just people dying underwater and just putting it out there for people to kind of digest and just focus on the Mm -hmm. I guess the sadness in it that's a good way of putting it and also you're just saying he was persecuted by the Nazis and this illustration was from 1916 so it shows you the effect and the continuing work he was probably doing
3: yeah it's got to be a good 30 years there well
2: obviously today all of a sudden uh, cartooning uh, is having a lot of power again and upsetting people and there's uh, people want cartoonists killed it's uh, you know cartooning does can have a strong voice and a a reaction and uh, and uh, people are are once again taking their lives in their hands sometimes when they pin certain cartoons it's
1: and it's not even uh, even beyond the uh the Muhammad cartoons like that's just a known example, but I had Tom Spurgeon on for a conversation. He's telling me all these different examples of folks of strips that folks have done that have gotten them in so much trouble and have made them persecuted, unfortunately, just for
2: Yeah, I really admire the good job Tom has is done on his news site to to bring awareness to cartoonists being persecuted and hmm And uh, you know, on an almost daily basis he brings attention to you know, to to people whose uh freedom of press is being denied and they're and they're they're very their very lives in, in question sometimes.
1: So I think it's important for people to kinda as much as they don't feel they're in the same medium, there is a connection there between the freedom the folks have here to do their own work. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of taking it for granted because you know someone in South Africa doesn't have the same advantage and and gets in a lot of trouble for being really critical of you know the president of the time and stuff. So it's right. It's interesting. Food for thought.
2: Maybe yes. Um, that makes people think.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. Good comics work good. Yes. Is that a good catchphrase? I don't know.
2: Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to get a tattoo uh, r- after this conversation, Robin, uh, with, with those very words uh, across my chest. That's a good idea.
1: <laughs> your nippleless chest? Or,
2: well, that, yes, <laughs> or maybe one of those tramp stamps that would look good there, yes.
1: Indeed, the tramp stamps. Not a popular thing around here as much as probably uh, your neck of the woods, maybe. I don't know. I don't, no. know. I don't know The
2: girls up north don't go for the tramp stamps Oh they go for the
1: tramp stamps We see them Oh okay I just trying to give us a better uh, reputation So to say oh. So what's your uh, long term vision With the yo books
2: Well It's interesting I've, Just in the last three weeks I've had three books come out <laughs> The do- Milk Rose book uh, Crazy and Ignatz in Tiger T a, a George Harriman book and uh then i just got my copy uh uh yesterday of uh Dan DiCarlo's jetta so w- you know we want to do both uh, quantity and quality and, and bring attention to uh artists who have been forgotten or bring new uh uh looks at uh you know popular cartoons like Ditko and but show, show, so show a new angle to 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 uh him and uh his work and so, you know, we're doing everything from milk roast to humorous stuff to Ditko, the, uh, the more realistic approach to cartooning. And, and uh, you know, then Dan DiCarlo, the sexy side. That, that's the Dan DiCarlo's Jetta book is the first book of a new series I just started called The, the Good Girl Art Library. So Dan DiCarlo will be the first, and we have three sure or four uh, undisclosed uh, titles uh, we're working on for that series.
1: To be uh, So
2: you know I, I want a, a, a broad range of, of types of Comic art books My my interest has always been uh, Very cath- Catholic Very eclectic And uh, across the board Is what I like is, uh, About comics and cartoons So I, I like uh, Steve Ditko, And I like You know Great political cartoons Of World War One, And I like Funny cartoons Like You know The brilliant Milk Gross And mm-hmm. so you know I, I think the book will flying book the books will be will be very uh, broad and include a lot of different genres but always the, the one thing in mind is that I, I try to work with genius cartoonists who always need more exposure I'm, I'm thrilled to hear there's, there's going to be more milk Coast books by other people uh, and, uh, and 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 I, I love to see the these people's work get out there for people to enjoy and study and and uh, be amazed by.
1: So you don't feel like you're pushing yourself too hard with all these books.
2: Well, I have a lot of good help. No, don't don't worry about me. I <laughs> I, I have my uh, days of R and R uh, and enjoying life. But I, I I do spend a lot of hours working away on these books with my partner Clete Gussoni, and she she's brilliant and brings a lot to these books, and she's kind of. Somewhat behind the scenes, but she she really makes these books happen. I could I couldn't do them without her, and she's she's both a designer and an editor, and uh, she's written many books herself. Uh, so she's uh invaluable in, in, in doing these books, and we have a lot of uh. Again, you'll see at the front of my books where I thank people, and I can't thank them enough because a lot of uh. uh People, uh, there's a researcher Warren Bernard who helps me a lot, and uh, uh, Vicky and Lizzie Savinella, they're designers who help us on our books. And uh... there's a woman now that comes in twice a week to our studio, Nancy Bond, who's toiling away, and she's talented in, in adding things to the books and the and the, the blog. We, the comics historian blog, we put together and. So you know, it's like a whole team effort. So it's not just me. I'm kind yeah. of uh, maybe lead lead the band as I can, but there's a lot, a lot of other strong, talented people working with me.
1: No. and then,
2: and then uh, m- most of all, the support I get from IDW. I'm quick to add. Uh, I have an editor I work with at IDW, uh, Justin, and uh, and my my, my uh, longtime friend Greg Goldstein. Uh, first took me up with uh, IDW uh, where I got to meet the, the head of the whole show Ted Adams and he's wonderfully supportive and you know uh, and a great guy so uh, you know I mean Yo know, Books again is an imprint of IDW so my parent company is uh, uh, I, I couldn't live without them the sales from Anna Maria and, and uh, I mean sales from Alan Payne and sales mm-hmm. and marketing and promotions from How- Anna Maria. I, it's a whole team effort. Yeah. It's not just me. My How, name's on the book, for the, for good or for bad. If you like it, praise me, please. If you don't like it, it's probably all these other people's fault.
1: <laughs> How much um, clearance do they give you as far as um, leeway with what books you put out?
3: Uh,
2: again, it's sort of a group effort. They give me a lot of freedom. I mean, uh, uh, when you're out there, as an author, when you're out there pitching books, uh, you know, is authors know it's, it's 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 tough you might place one out of uh... twenty or something
3: mm-hmm.
2: but with idw uh... you know they're they're, they're usually in, in agreement i mean we have we, we do discuss timing of ideas or uh... they really say no but sometimes they say Oh, uh, why don't we think about that for later? And I mean, uh, I do have to work closely with them because you know, you know they only have so much time to devote to my line too. They have all kinds of other wonderful projects they're working on. Mm-hmm. So uh, and you know and then there's some books that we need to maybe clear the rights for, or, you know, uh, uh, get licensing uh, agreements in place. And you know, there's a lot of considerations that go into each and every book. So uh, you know, not, not every idea that pops in my head do we immediately make into a book but yeah they're very very warm and receptive and supportive at IDW, and I I found a, a, a wonderful home there I'm still doing books for some other publishers uh, the anti-war the great anti-war cartoons is for fan of graphics I've got a a, a wonderful book Another wonderful book on George Harriman Coming out uh, with Abrams That I'm very, very excited
3: That's gonna about the...
2: It's going to be a big coffee table art mm-hmm. book Celebrating George Harriman and Crazy Cat
1: I can't wait
2: uh... Yeah, it's going to have a lot of uh, un- Unpublished artwork And r- rarities And essays by a Who's who of, uh, of Past and Contemporary comics Critics and mm-hmm. Uh Rare photographs of George Harriman, and and uh, called Crazy Cat and George Herriman a, a celebration and uh, it's it's going to be a wonderful book. So my my Crazy and Ignatz book for IDW is a, is a sweet little book and I'm very excited about it. And it, as a counterpoint, I'm doing this big thick coffee table book on George Harriman and Crazy Cat for Abrams. So
3: I've heard. So
2: I, I love me Harriman's, and <laughs> uh, so. Have two books coming out this year. to, to uh just something salute quick. Salute him.
1: Something quick with the crazy cat. I had read somewhere that there are parts missing to the story.
2: No, wanna... no, 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 no. That's that's erroneous. I hope to.
1: to here's your chance uh, to dispel then. Pardon me. Here's a here's a chance to dispel the the rumor then.
2: Oh, okay. Well, George Sherman did did a a, a long uh, thematic uh, exploration of a. Of, a, of this concoction called Tiger Tea, which the citizens of of Coconino County ingested, Crazy Cat and Ignatz and Officer Pup drank this tea and had all these almost psychedelic experiences. So this 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 over yearly, over year long, nearly year long thematic exploration, uh, which some people have deemed Tiger Tea, had all these kind of dreamy episodes. Uh, and so I, it's not a linear type story. It's just a, a strung together a bunch of linear episodes. So I've chosen the, the very best of those episodes uh, to put in into like you know a, a small book. It's hardback and only twelve bucks something. So it's quite a quite a mm-hmm. bargain. Got Paul Krasner, the editor of the Realist and one of the original yippies, to to write the introduction to the book. And uh, so the, there's the, it's. I guess eventually there's a publisher called Pacific Comics, which I p- think people should uh, strongly support. That's doing, a comp- you know, a, a reprinting of all the daily strips. Yeah. And uh, so uh, eventually they'll get to it, but it'll be decades till they reprint every single strip, uh, because this, this these particular strips were, uh, in the latter part of the '30s. So it'll be you know we 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 may not be alive or taking a dirt nap by the time those books come out, and I think even later on Fanagraphics is talking about doing daily strips and those will be well, wonderful got, as, as as their Sunday books are. But uh,
1: they have one book be, of it, daily strips. It, it'll out. be ni-
2: many years before they get to that Tiger Tee sequence. So I've taken the best of the Tiger T and put it together in a beautiful little book that I think fans will enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm. Some of that was also in raw at one point, wasn't
3: it?
2: Yes, there's been. St- there's been some tiger tea strips in, I know of three different places. Raw, a uh, a, a, a book that, that found found uh, distribution here in the United States. A, a series of book booklets from the Netherlands. There was uh, some tiger tea strips. There was there were some in raw. There were some in a uh, in a book that I, where I first saw, read about Crazy Cat in the, I think in the. Well, the late '60s, so there's been little smatterings of Tiger Tee, but there's never been as many uh, gather all in one place as, as I've done here. Of, mm-hmm. You know the greatest of the little Tiger Tee episodes, and so uh, it's a great book. I'm very proud of it, and so there's there's uh, you know it's uh,
3: it, it, it's a good book. Have you seen it yet?
1: I took a quick look at it. I love the picture uh, with. Uh and the uh, in the hat in it.
3: Yeah.
2: smoking that funny cigarette that he's smoking
1: what kind of cigarette is he smoking folks I'll let uh, people make their own assumptions
2: I'm I'm sure it's tobacco but it's just in the whole context of the thing it's it's just it's yeah kind of funny it's I a mean river. tiger tea came out uh, w- during prohibition days and in anti- marijuana legislation and and it's just uh it's just interesting to see these crazy cat and Ignatz and Officer Pup and having these kind of psychedelic uh, experiences. Crazy cat emboldened and you know from from ingesting tiger tea. And it's it's it's, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's it's a fun parlor game to look at what what Harriman might have been thinking.
1: It, it, I, I took a flip through it and you can see how the the kind of he he maintains this like odd panels like stuff and slow changes within those panels mhm like how things slowly move over a couple of pages and it's it's quite fascinating
2: yeah it's really yeah it it has a different kind of pace and feel to the to the regular uh, crazy cast strips it's really quite wonderful
1: indeed well craig i'm at the uh the end of my time slot here
2: well, I'm glad we had this little talk, Robin.
1: It was good to chat, Craig. Um, I do love love the comics. They're always they always make me happy.
2: Oh, good! Uh, if my books make you happy, that's what more could I ask for?
1: Really, nothing more.
2: You know, I have a picture above my uh, desk here of you, Robin, and I think <laughs> of you as my. When I'm doing working on the books, I think, what would Robin do? And What would he like, and what what would make Robin happy? You're kind of my audience. (laughs) We we talk here in in the office about, let's do another book for Robin.
1: Oh, you don't want to do that, or else you'll be going off in an odd direction.
2: No, no, no. (laughs) We know you're a man of consummate taste. Most of the time. I appreciate you having me on your show today.
1: Well, thank you so much for reacting with me, Craig. (laughs)
0: Even think of her name, but it's funny now and then how my thoughts go flashing back again to my old flame. I've met so many who had fascinating ways, a fascinating gaze in their eyes. Some who took me up to the skies, but their attempts at love. Were only imitations of my old flame I can't even think of her name But I'll never be the same Until I discover what became of my old flame
4: to look through my collection of human heads. But it's funny now and then how my thoughts go flashing back again to my old flame. My old flame. My, my new lovers all seem so tame. They, they won't even let me strangle them, for I haven't met a girl so magnificent or elegant as my old flame. I, I've met so many who had fascinating ways, a fascinating gaze in their eye. I saw this eye, so I removed the other eye, that eye that kept winking and blinking at other men. It was me. I was. It, it was. Is. Some who took me up to the skies. But their attempts at love were only imitations of my old flame. I I can't even think of her name. Wait, wait, what was her name? Doris, Laura, Chloe, Manny Moe, Jack! No, it couldn't have been Mo. <laughs> I, I can't stand it, I tell you. This is driving me sane. <laughs> she would always treat me mean, so I poured a can of gasoline and struck a match to... <laughs> my old